Hey guys, this is Liz Candace. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Esther Carson. Hey, this is Imani Media Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation, how are you? It's so good to, I'd say hear your voice, but get, I guess you're hearing my voice. It's, it's just good to have your aura a part of our lives right now. Thank you so much for listening. We are ever closer to the 2020 WNBA season. We have a lot to discuss and a lot that we're not going to be able to discuss. And that's going to make sense in just a minute. I, of course, am Steve Schwartzman. I'm here with Logan Jones. Logan, how it be? Oh, it be going. That didn't work. That, that's that's <laughs> that's how you respond to the question. That's I like it. I asked All a right. question and you answered it. Shake that's it off. The rule. Shake it off. Get back in the game. Yeah. We got this. We got this. Yeah, you're coming off of like a vacay and you're feeling it, and I I, I get it. Your thing. It's all right. We let we let a couple pitches go by just straight over the plate, but we're gonna we're gonna get back in this count. We're all right. Yeah. Take, Sports. Sports are back. I'm on uh I'm on about the thirteenth straight day of seeing somebody tweet sports are back. But they're not though. Uh so no one can really decide. Yeah. Like everyone wants to be first to like declare them back, but yeah. no one really knows but, when it's gonna happen. But Logan, not everyone can be the NWSL. And I yes. think that's Yes. That's my cheap plug to our sister show, NWSL Nation, which, you, which episode, as we record this, just released. You should listen to it. Some good previews. but uh, And you should watch the Challenge Cup. Kicks off the 27th. Thorns Courage. All the good stuff. You're going to hear a lot about it. Anyway, um, Logan, obviously, we have a lot to cover, and we had a lot more we thought we were going to cover because we saved till recording to this point because the 25th was supposed to be the transaction window cutoff date for the WNBA. So we're expecting to see some more lockdown rosters for the season. We'll talk a little bit about what the status is there. Um, there's really, it, this is going to be an interesting episode because in, in my opinion, there's just so much happening and so much not happening that it's, um, I feel like right now, all we have as content creators is all questions, no answers. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> Oh, no, I think if possible, it's like we know less now than we did a month ago. Yeah, it's definitely like watching the fifth season of Lost. That is <laughs> exactly where we're at right now. And it's it's been an, an interesting whirlwind. I could lead up to this by talking about certain elements and stories. I just want to kick off our first note. Just I, I guess I'll just cut to the question because I can't think of a better way to set this up. So if it sounds brash, I'm sorry. I couldn't think of a better way to set it up. Logan, quite simply, should we be having a season? Uh, here's the thing. No. Um, okay. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought this there's up. There's the answer. Yeah. But obviously, I mean, it's going to be more nuanced than that. And obviously, I don't think we have to prove this to anyone. But you and I both agree. We, we want sports. We love sports. Obviously. But when uh, when Adam Silver came out this morning, as the day that we're recording this, and said, there's no safe way to do this, but we have no choice but to push forward, I thought, well, now that's interesting. Because to me, if there's no safe way to do it, you can't have team sports. Yeah. I thought that was the agreement, by the way. I thought that was why we waited until now. It 
maybe we should just dive into this right now. When when one player caught COVID nineteen back in March, it shut everything down. Yeah, not just the, the NBA, NBA, not just sports. Night, minutes minutes after the test, they shut down the NBA. Every sport followed, and we all realized we got to take this thing really seriously. And it's one thing to say that the context I think adds to this. It wasn't just one player. It was one player right before his respective team was about to play a game. Right. And right. in that exact it, moment, it was like, nope, this doesn't happen. Nothing happens. Like, we're moving on. And that Everyone was like, go home. That was the alarm, the bell ringing to the rest of the country, like, shut it down. Businesses, mm-hmm. everything. We're going, we're taking it seriously. And yep. now it's like we've gotten fatigued through quarantine and we're like, well, you know, we got to open up sometime. We got to come back and, and get back to normal sometime. And so it's like, I, okay, I'm cutting a, a big portion of this out, which is obviously the people at, with, with money at stake, obviously they got to have sports come back. The owners want sports back. Yeah. But setting that aside for a minute, I, I don't think we're any better off now than we were when when we shut it down in March. I mean, there are NBA players, 16 NBA players have it. There's going to be WNBA players that have it. Entire college football teams are getting it. A, a team is sitting out uh, of the NWSL tournament because mm-hmm. a couple of them went out and did some dumb stuff outside of a bubble, and the whole team caught it, and they had to sit out. It, this is not going away like we thought it was going to in March when we shut we put the clamps down on everything. Mm-hmm. Well, so to answer your question initially, no, I I don't think we're actually in a place where we're ready for team sports to come back yeah. in this country, but they're going to anyway. And I it's weird because I'm I'm pro sports. I like sports, mm-hmm. but it's weird to to be on the you know on this side of things now. Uh, the weird analogy to put, and this analogy may not work. Like it, it's like someone's about to make my least favorite meal and I really don't want to eat it and I'd almost rather you didn't make it but I'm going to eat it because I need food and I don't have it. So, you know, make with steamed mushroom casserole or whatever that meal would be. Oof. Yeah, I hate mushrooms. This is the first thing I can think about. But um, whatever the case it, it may be, it's that weird idea of like, oh, but we need sports. And this is this is the point that I had made. And first of all, we're about to roll into talking about an actual WNBA season, and we're going to do it with energy, and we're going to be excited for it because obviously we love the league and we love sports, and it's you know something to still be excited about. So we're not sitting here just trying to make this iconoclastic shutdown of this is why we hate all of this. But I think it's an important discussion to have even when – uh, we're talking and we're tweeting and we're doing this. The ba- you know the basketball is back. Get excited because it's hard to get excited right now. If I'm being completely honest, when multiple players, you know, re- you know, frequently are saying I'm not comfortable, I'm not going to play. Um, when you are realizing that you're going through all of this rigmarole so that you could watch sports with no fans in a circulated atmosphere. And honestly, in the WNBA's case, in a situation where the MNBA just came out with their schedule. If the WNBA is trying to look, look for a healthy time slot, it's, it's not going to exist. And we know how the media can treat the W. So it's going to be hard to find no, yeah. quality airtime at a quality time. People are going to watch it. You're not getting any fans. You know, like there's the people aren't going to be able to go and watch. It's like, 
like the revenue is, is kind of scraping by. So it's a tough discussion at that level. But the other side of it is I, I guess I push back on this idea and Adam Silver did make this point also this morning, uh, the morning that we're recording this of like the people need it. And this is something like they need the distraction. They need the respite. It's important for, for people to see. And honestly, I'm to the point where I don't know that bringing back sports in the way they're going to be back is going to accomplish that. I don't think that it's necessarily mm. going to be true. Would, would you say, and I, I think we've, you, we've talked about this and I think you agree that a lot of people pining for sports as we were back in, back in March, when this all went down the whole March, we were like, man, March is such a great month for sports. You get both bracket tournaments. Mm -hmm. um, you get like the, the launch of spring training and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that longing has been replaced by just a longing for normalcy. Yes. And, and that includes sports, but it just getting the NBA back and having this, you know, 22 team play in and, uh, you know, baseball is going to have a 60 game season and it's, that's going to be weird. You know, teams three weeks into the baseball season, teams are going to be out of the playoff hunt. Mm -hmm. Um, which is because they're going to play every day. Uh, and, and the WNBA is going to come back, but you know, limited rosters because a couple of rosters are going to lose a lot of, you know, these athletes and a, a couple are probably going to be yeah. relatively unscathed it's, and it's not going to be normal. What, whatever we think yeah. we're getting with sports coming back, it's still going to be I, tense and, and cautious. I feel like it's a scenario where my dog just ran away and my parents responded to it by getting me another dog thinking that would fix things. And I have to be the one to tell them. It's not that I just wanted a dog. Like, I wanted Spot. Like, Spot, I loved him, and I know him, and he was my dog. I, I, I'm sad he ran away, and I want him back. That's the problem. It's not just have a dog. And sometimes I feel that way in that sense of we're going to be excited. And by the way, like, the first night that the WNBA, that NWSL, that Major League Baseball, that the NBA, like, all of those leagues, when they all have their comeback, the NHL, like, those are going to be big nights. There's going to be excitement behind that. And then very quickly – we're all going to have that realization of like, okay, now we're watching pickup games. Like that's basically what it is. I, I think it's going to be harder yeah. to invest. Cause honestly, if you want a great example of how that went down, go back to the horse tournament. Cause the first night of the horse <laughs> tournament, there was kind of a fun nuance to it and it was interesting. And at least we got to see something, but after like 20 minutes, it was like, I'm just watching people shoot in their driveway. Huh? This isn't what we wanted. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, that's how I also feel. I, I won't get on other sports for, I know I just listed a bunch, but football all along, like this whole process has been basically acting like by the fall, we'll be back to normal. That's the promise they're selling. Like, don't worry, football season, fall sports, it's going to be back to normal. Yeah. Maybe we'll postpone, you know, we'll cut a couple preseason games, but you're going to get a 16 game season. Colleges need to have football. It's the only way they make money. Like, we're going to do it. And I don't think that's true. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at summer leagues like the WNBA, and I'm thinking, how are they going to do this yeah. when I'm not sure football is going to be able to pull it off in a couple months? Exactly. And I think it's – the idea is I've heard this line not just with sports but with a lot of things. It's like we – like we're here to start the healing process. And here's the issue. America right now has very real healing to do, real stuff. And, and obviously, with social and racial unrest going on in our country, and politicians that are continually pushing back on, on fair and equal rights and safety for, for minorities, 
particularly black people as we talk about it, people's general public health with COVID-19. I can even go back to the fact that I thought sports was going to help me a little bit get through processing losing Kobe and Gigi Bryant, and it didn't. Like watching basketball again and watching other sports and those things that usually I use to turn my mind off didn't exist because all it did was make me think of them. And it, and it made it more painful. And right now I feel like what we're leaning into is telling ourselves this is going to heal, but all it's going to do and you brought, so it's just going to make us think of all the things that are missing. And on top of that, the fact that we have so much to process and it helps me realize something. There's really, there's a lot of main reasons why people make the decision why they might sit out a season. But the two main things you see right now is uncomfortability with playing in the middle of a pandemic, which by the way, anyone who has this idea of we've improved and can do the season, we've not improved. The United States just broke their daily case record again and are going to continue to see that rise. Florida is well on its way to seeing a single day of 10,000 cases. That's not gotten better. And, the other side is people very nobly saying, I believe that I can help this fight for Black Lives Matter by by doing it in my hometown or in my market or somewhere outside of a bubble. And and they've made that decision. And what I've learned is we have very real things we as a country have to process right now. And we have a lot of things that we need to gear our minds up for. And one of the main things isn't even, you know, one of the main two things has nothing to do with sports. It has to do right now with our own public health. And for some reason, having to talk a bunch of America into wearing masks again. And the third day in November, like those are the types of things we need to be processing and preparing ourselves for. It just doesn't feel right. When things got initially announced, there was some excitement. Right now, it doesn't quite feel right. I'm going to be there to back up the league and support the league and bowie it up wherever I can. But that's part of it. The other thing that I wanted to hit with you on it is, if I'm being honest, I have a lot of concerns with the WNBA standing with the return to sports. I mean, the NWSL has gone through a lot of flack because people just won't acknowledge them, which is kind of annoying. Not kind of. It's very annoying. Them being the first league back and no one seems to want to pay attention to it. And by the way, first league back in terms of American sports, don't shove the EPL down my throat. Um, but the other side of it is... To be completely honest, um, a constant fight that anyone in the WNBA community, especially a player or a coach or anyone actually part of the league, but even people who run media or people like us who source content or just your, your general fan constantly goes through this rigmarole of having to fight with people who are doing whatever they can to talk down the WNBA and women's athletics. People don't watch it. People don't like it. Women's sports isn't as good. You know, there's higher qualities. There's all this crap that you have to dig through. And we constantly are having to fight with, we have to play within the circle that we're given and we're not given a lot of opportunity and a lot of exposure and a lot of support. And I feel like the situation of sports, you know, all of these leagues coming back in late July, the WNBA is, is going to be one of the worst beneficiaries of that return. One, I think you and I talked about looking at the MABA schedule. Right now, they have a staggered schedule that's going to run from one thirty to 10 o'clock at night. So where do you run, you know, competitive alternatives in basketball? Yeah, you could put the WNBA games on other networks at the same time, but it would have been nice if they had their own time slots. The other side of it is their start date is the same as baseball's start date. And there's this part of me that just feels like, 
I feel like them playing on a valuation perspective as an organization is always a good thing. There's a small part of you that wonders that, man, if you held off this season and instead took time to gear you up for the future, or maybe you shortened the season and did a Challenge Cup-style event instead of trying to do a full season and compete with the the NBA and such, maybe that would help you out a little bit more in that perspective. But um, the... You know, there's a chance that a lot of harm can be done in 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 that level of competition because the fact of the matter is, you're going to have a lot of people that are going to going to ignore those such scenarios of how things were scheduled and the unfair level of attention other leagues got that the WNBA didn't, and they're just going to use that as more fodder to claim that the WNBA is inferior. And in that scenario, to me, it's it's kind of unfair. Am I speaking out of line? Is there something I'm not noticing when I say any of that, Logan? No, I I think we should look at it this way. I'll, I'll see if I can form the question in a way that'll allow us to both answer this in in a way. I, I already know your stance on this, but mm-hmm. but how do you feel about players opting out of being a professional basketball player for either of those two reasons? Either social justice reform or I don't like how the league is handling the safety precautions and the accommodations. And, and therefore, I will not play this year. How do you feel about the choice some players have decided to make I have, to sit out? I have two separate answers. And the first answer is probably the truest answer, which is it doesn't matter a damn what I think. But the other answer that probably is more friendly to the conversation is I, I think what should be everyone's conversation. That's 100%. The player's decision is the right decision. And they have that right. And if they decide for one reason or another that they want to sit this season out, thank goodness there is a scenario where they have their pay protected and all the luck and safety and love to them. They have that right. At no point should we come down on anyone for deciding to sit out for any reason at this point is, is my feeling. Perfect. We, yeah. I, I know we agree on, on just the, the fact that, that there is a relationship between owners and athletes and fans. Yeah. And it's all it's all connected, and each gives something to the other and expects something from the other. And ultimately, even though a lot of fans aren't going to understand it, the, the players get to make this choice, mm-hmm. and we we both agree on that. They get to take care of their health. They get to decide what the priorities are in their lives. You know, a lot of people are going to sit and say, "You have the opportunity to be a professional basketball player and get paid to play. Why would you not take it?" And when you look deeper and you understand. Like the things that are going on, the the bubble that they're going to be stuck in, um, <laughs> the, you know, probably the lifetimes of of oppression and things that that a lot of these women have seen, and the the opportunity to be a part of a cultural revolution right now, I can understand why they would want to sit out. Mm-hmm. There is a there is still a part of me that says playing professional sports gives you a platform you wouldn't have otherwise. Mm-hmm. I, I, you could, you could sway me on this. If you really fought me on this, I think you could get me to flip because the more that we learn about the WNBA's plan, that platform is not a good size. We know the time slots are going to be rough. We know it's going to run up against the NBA's mad scramble to have a, a, you know, a few games before the playoffs. It's going to compete with baseball coming back. They're not going to let media be there. It's going to be entirely digital. No media is going to actually be there. Mm hmm doing you know doing the post game so we're going to try to cover it as best we can but ultimately this is a league already struggling to to get into the spotlight um that's going to have a shortened season it's going to be diminished by espn and everything else that covers sports because of the nba's return and we all know it will be 
and and that's just the way it's going to be. So my typical argument is play the sport that gives you the platform to speak out. But that's not much of a platform these days, is it? Yeah, and that's the differences, by the way. And, and, and I also want to point one thing out is I think some people might see this scenario and see why this goes against a lot of people's claim that the WNBA and the NBA should run seasons simultaneously. The difference is during a traditional MNBA season, the you're seeing two, maybe three high-profile televised games in the evening during a weekday. You can very realistically put in a situation where you can coincide that with WNBA games, even have a run-up scenario where you have a WNBA game run into a, a slot where an NBA game plays like that, that can happen. I think the, the difference here is because they were so insistent that they had to have 22 teams in eight regular season games before this playoffs, they have to jam pack a schedule and it's going to be really hard for the WNBA to cut through that. Now in a general scenario where you can space 82 games over several months or 36 games over several weeks, you're going to be able to make that work scheduling-wise. This is a case where that's totally not going to happen. It's very clear that Adam Silver and the NBA like, didn't consider the WNBA standing when this was put together. I think Kathy Engelbert, as far as planning, did about as good of a job as you can do. They found a good facility. They listened to their players. They, they've tried to make this happen. The thing that scares me is the answer of we're being very careful and we're taking every precaution possible. That doesn't make me feel better in the slightest because there are many scenarios right now of people that have taken every precaution and they're still getting infected. Ali Krieger of the Orlando Pride and the U.S. women's soccer team had that scenario. Uh, she just on Instagram talked about how she was one of the players who had tested positive for COVID-19, one of the six players that led to the Orlando Pride having to altogether pull out of the Challenge Cup. And it was very very frustrating and, and depressing that that had happened. And a lot of people assumed these were people who were going out in to bars and nightclubs and restaurants and going out into the public and not doing. And this was an Ali Krieger who very openly said, no, me and Ashley Harris were doing the by the book things. We were very careful. We made it a point that we would only have things delivered. And if we went to the store, we tried to be clean about it, but this still happened. And, and the other side about it with pride is some of the, there is some, misconception on some of these tests. Some may actually end up coming out negative in the long run, but still then the idea that someone can play by the rules that heavily and still get infected, you can protect this bubble as much as you want. It takes one blip in the radar that can turn this into a potentially catastrophic which, scenario, which by the way, every league will have, it's going to, every sports league at some point is going to have to face somebody caught it. That's in our bubble. And we travel and play together every day. Mm -hmm. And what are we going to do about it? And and honestly, this probably won't happen. And this is a hypothetical, so I, I probably shouldn't even go down this road. But if the worst should happen and someone actually gets severely ill due to this, yeah. we're all going to look at it as a totally preventable situation. Yes. In retrospect, we will all see, like, we didn't have to do this. Yes. And, and, and that is a scary situation. It's the consider. fact of the matter of... You brought it up exactly perfectly. One individual player tested positive, and they were willing to take every precaution back in February, or sorry, back in March. It feels like it was 20 years ago, but back in March. And the fact of the matter is a, a, a player of each league will be infected during this timeline. I think you can just say it out loud. A WNBA player, one at least, or at least a personnel member, 
is going to test positive for COVID-19. And NBA player personnel will. NHL, MLB, like name it. It's going to happen. I think you can say it with confidence it's going to happen. The fact of the matter is the narrative is different now. Why? Why is the narrative different? And the only thing that it comes down to is, yes, there are still people very hungry for sports, and you have that right. That's your opinion, and that's up to you. But the other side of it is there are a lot of people that are are hoping that they can still get out of 2020 in the black and instead of in the red. They they think they can still profit off of this year, and that's why that push exists. You can say it however you want, but that's how it happens. That's why there's 22 teams playing in this NBA season and not 16. That's why there's eight regular season games before a playoffs. They're trying to get as much television exposure so that they can try to break even or potentially profit off of 2020. You spin it however you want. That's the truth of it. Um, and I think that's where this, this whole thing comes down to is the motivations have officially changed. And honestly, if I know that some people might roll their eyes on this, but this is the thousandth thing that kind of goes back to Trump because he set that narrative a couple months ago in making this about the economy and pushing people to, you know, to, to reopen, set this narrative. When That's, they tried to get us to believe that this curve was flattening and that things were getting better, when good gracious, there's hard data right in front of our faces that tell us that the curve has gotten worse. And uh, you, you make a valid point. I, I will add, I don't think sports owners ever need a, a, a push to be concerned about their their economic well-being. I think they're pretty much <laughs> this is so this is such a generalization, but. By and large, I, when I think of a sports owner, I'm not thinking of someone who's concerned about their community um, so much as they're concerned about their investment uh, in a sports team. So I, yeah. it doesn't surprise me at all that that group of people in every league is in a room trying to figure out how they're going to do this in 2020 instead of just how to take care of their players. But that's, we, we've talked a lot about mm-hmm. the, the pandemic and how it's how it's affecting things reference the fact yeah. that there are players that are going to be sitting out. We we do want to take a look at what we know. This is another thing, by the way. Speaking of not knowing anything more now than we knew <laughs> a month ago, every league seems to just be like a group project all of a sudden. Like like uh, the WNBA came out with a deadline for yesterday, by the way, yeah. uh, to have rosters it, finalized. And they keep, they keep just trickling in, Steve. Sports, they keep just popping up here and there. Real sports has become more <laughs> like pro wrestling than they realize because every sport right now is card subject to change. Uh, it's this do idea you, Do of, you remember the NBA had a plan like three weeks ago? And they're like, this is the plan. Everyone's like, I guess that's the plan. And then there was like a call with Kyrie Irving and he's like, I don't like the plan. And suddenly the NBA was like, well, it's not like set in stone. And then it just blew up for three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> it took him three weeks to get something else written down. You had, you had, you know, Rob Manfred say we're definitely going to have a season, and then the very next day say there's a really good chance we're not going to have a season. <laughs> and then there was a season. Like it's this weird. You can't take anything on its word at this point. It's if uh, you, we're using if more than we ever have before, and that's the side of it. So uh, this is a good transition because there's so much more. You you can bring up and you brought up owners and I had a Kelly Loeffler rant that I was ready to go off of. But, you know, that's a different story for a different day. A lot of angry words there. Um, that said, what you brought up is perfect. June 25th was supposed to be the transition window cutoff is when you're supposed to hear lockdown, you know, data for the this is what 
these teams are going to be putting out. Obviously, that's going to come with general parameters, right? If someone gets sick from now until the start of the season, they can, you know, they can obviously back out. That's not something they're going to put against it. I would imagine if there were players that all of a sudden had a change at heart and were expressing large concerns with playing, they probably would have found a way to work on that. The fact of the matter is we were told on the 26th we would get an idea of what the rosters were. None of that word came out. Up to the start of the 26th of June, we'd only heard of seven players that were officially sitting out, and things started to increase over the day, but they're continuing to be ever-changing. And by the way, by the time between when we record this and when this comes out, like 30 players might have sat out. So we apologize if we're behind there, the times here. Things there just, will be more. Right there, before there will be more. we started this recording... We had two LA Sparks players make their announcement. Christy Tolliver and Chanel Gumbake, uh made public announcements, and the Sparks made public announcements on their behalfs that they will both be sitting out due to personal decisions. They made very clear their uncomfortability with the scenario, and that is their choice, and, and obviously we wish them the best in all things. But that happened right before we hit record. As we talk right now, for all we know, like you had said, you know, the Atlanta Pride, the Minnesota Lynx may just decide we're not doing it. Like, <laughs> that could happen. I'm not saying it will. I'm not. Please show Reeve. Don't attack me. This is, I'm just posing a scenario. Um, I. But it's that idea of like a lot of things can change. But what this adds to is the fact that was there a deadline or <laughs> like was there a deadline or was there just a point where they were like, OK, we can't lock this down. So we're just going to like let things breathe for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like there. it might even be. You know, there might be a while before we really hear things officially. And again, possibly between the time we record this and when this episode comes out, it might get locked down. We, we don't know. If, um, if there's one thing you take from this podcast, episode, the, this specific episode, it's that until you're watching current WNBA basketball being played with your own eyeballs, I, I, would, <laughs> I would not believe anything is set in stone. Um, even if there's a plan, even if there's a bubble, even if players swear, like, oh, we're going to play, you never know. You know, if there's an outbreak amongst an entire team, they're going to sit out. Um, and I, if if players seek injury designations so they can be paid for the year without playing, they're going to do that, and that's going to take some time. That's not going to mm-hmm. happen in the next 24 hours. So uh, I, I don't want to encourage you to stay on social media because, honestly, mm-hmm. you should get off. You should get off social yeah. media. Um, but it, you got to stick close to – you have to keep your ear to the ground because uh, I'm – I'm waiting any day now for a bombshell to drop about Deladon sitting out or yeah. Stewie sitting out. You know, one of the big one of the big pieces. Um, and the, the league is already missing some big pieces, which we're going to get to that later yes. in the show. Um, yes. But yeah, I, I'm waiting every day for that announcement. So as as we know it right now, um, I'm referencing this list from Matt Ellen Tuck on Twitter uh, at, at M. Ellen Tuck. On Twitter, if you're not following him, he's a phenomenal source uh, for WNBA and women's basketball. So I, I I trust his insight as much as anyone's. Um, he has a list of players who, as to his knowledge, have opted out in the last week. It's it's nine players, I believe. So we have John Quill Jones, Christy Tolliver, T- uh, Tiffany Hayes, Natasha Cloud, Latoya Saunders, Renee Montgomery, Chanel Gumake, Cece Zendelsini, and Rebecca Allen. So as far as this week alone, there's that. There obviously are, are a few interesting cases, and we'll hit each team and talk a little bit about that. So that's what we know as stands right now. And I remember earlier in the week, John Quill Jones was one that came out, and that's I thought that was going to be the big one of the big blows, right? It's, it's, I mean, that's huge for the Connecticut Sun. Um, obviously, she has 
her right to that. As far as just basketball discussion, I mean, that's a very huge loss for this season for the Connecticut Sun. And we continue to hear more more names. Obviously, Renee Montgomery, you know, deciding to sit, not necessarily entirely COVID-related, very, you know, similar to why Natasha Cloud is deciding to sit up season, you know, wanting to continue to be an advocate for the Black Lives Matter movement. And that's fantastic. Um, but... So we're hearing a lot of those changes, those pieces come out, but this is continuing to be fluid. It's hard to tell whether or not this is going to fully solidify. It might be one of those classic cases where it might be days before the season before we really can feel confident into who's showing up. And I think we just have to be comfortable with what that lineup is. Also, really hard for us to make hard set predictions when we don't know a schedule. <laughs> and, you know, like all of that is, is hard to tell. So hopefully we continue to hear that. But in terms of basketball discussion, Mike, Sorry, I called you Mike. Your name's Logan. I've been talking so much <laughs> soccer with Mike. Um, and so if I call you Mike, it's because of that. And I know what your name is, Logan. Very sorry. It's, uh, Mike is like one of those names that can also just be a nickname, though. Yeah. Like Chief. And just, like a, and just like a sound. You, Mike. I don't know. Anyway, that's going to that's gonna happen a lot. We're just going to have to deal I, with it. How I'm actually going to take that is I listen to a lot of PTI, and Tony and Mike are the... Yeah. You know, that's they, they always interrupt themselves by like reassuring, like, like you know what, I'm, Mike, you know what I'm saying? And I love when they do that. So I also would note that I've been best friends with Mike McPhee for 19 years and you should take it as a compliment. So I do. I do. Yeah, that's good. That that that, that helps. But um, I uh, I don't think we'll give hard set analysis, but I think we'll go over at least several teams. It's not all the teams get a feel for where they are right now in terms of changes and just really get a feel for how things are affected. I think the Sparks are the best place to kick off with because they had yeah. the most recent updates. Obviously, Christy Tolliver and Chanel Gumake are both going to be sitting out the season uh, due to personal reasons. Marie Vadiva is overseas right now, and it, it looks like she won't be uh, with the roster as far as we understand. Um, I believe it was Brady Klopfer who uh, made it uh, uh, broke on Twitter that as far as is understood right now, the Sparks don't intend to have anyone else sit out, so their 10-person roster right now should remain intact. We'll see if they add to it. So that includes Candace Parker, who it felt like there was potential that she would be sitting out. Um, she'll still be potentially seeing Candace Parker, Neko Gumake, Shanae's sister, uh, Chelsea Gray, Simone Augustus, who just joined the roster, uh, Christine Igwe. So obviously they have a lot of strong pieces, but just talking basketball, so we're switching to actually talking about the game the Sparks were coming in with a roster that was potentially a hard, one of the hard, at least one of the three hard favorites to to take the title at the end of the season. Where, what do these change? What level of impact do these changes have, Logan? I, I feel like you'll agree with me on yeah, this, and, and a lot of I, people. I do. This, I was gonna say, I I don't know if we necessarily want to go down every single roster in the league, but you have to start this discussion with the Sparks because they are the contender. To put it another way, their ceiling has been lowered the most in the past 24 hours. Very much by, so. By players sitting out. Um, because their ceiling was championship contender, and now it probably isn't. I, I think they're going to make the playoffs with ease, uh, but I, I don't think they have uh, the the horses to, to compete with some other teams we're going to talk about that haven't had nearly the, uh, the amount of uh, people sit out for personal reasons or with injury. Um, and with... With the returning of uh, 
you know, a potential Seattle Storm team that's going to be looking at, at kind of running it back. I, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be crowded at the top. And I think uh, Tolliver and Ogumake are, are big enough pieces yeah. that, uh, yeah, I think the Sparks are going to be, uh, I don't think they're going to be yeah. a top three team this the, year. The only scenario that I probably could challenge it with is probably Connecticut, just because they're losing a potential MVP in Jean-Claude Jones. And she's, in in my opinion, the centerpiece to that roster. Really hard to lose that. That said, I mean, Dewana Bonner's as, as talented as a player you'll ever find. So that adds to that support system. But... I think the Sparks definitely in the sense of one of the biggest things that pushed the narrative of the Sparks being in a championship contention was Christy Tolliver and was Tolliver moving from the Mystics who she just won a championship with and trying to run things back with the Sparks. That's obviously not something they're going to be able to see. There's also this interesting but in question of like was Tolliver at some point intending on being a part of the Wizards organization. As far as I understand, I think she's still on the Wizards coaching staff. It sounds like that's probably definitely not going to be happening either, mm-hmm. uh, but it led to a lot of those questions. You know, there's a lot of interesting cases there, but I think that definitely makes sense. Right now, what you're seeing is something very similar to that 2018 Sparks team that it was hard to get a feel like they were going to come in and be too heavily uh, competitive because they played so much heavy playoff basketball. There was some level of fatigue there. Obviously, Candace Parker can always turn into Candace Parker, and Chelsea Gray can always turn into Chelsea Gray. Like the, the, Nico Gumake is a former MVP. I mean, these are players that can take over games. It's just a lot more in question now. When, like you said, you have other rosters that are more locked down. Um, you know, looking at, at things as they are right now, when you look at a lot of those teams, I think the Storm are a really good one that you called out in terms of this scenario could. Uh, have been to the benefit of of Bree Stewart in that it simply just gave her more time to get back to full strength. And this is a scenario where instead of this idea of when you come off that heavy of an injury, um, you know, that is generally an injury that often like you, the season you come back, you're not quite yourself. It often takes that set, you know, that season forward. We saw that with um, Paul George it was a very similar scenario where he wasn't quite himself. And then a year went by and all of a sudden he was back to himself and, this is a scenario where almost there might have been enough time in between the last year and plus that it may take three to four games and then Stewie's Stewie again. And if we see the storm in that full strength, which is, you know, the storm are a team where I have a handful of players that I wonder, you know, if they're going to be sitting out, I, I really only have one player that I'd be comfortable speculating because the context behind it makes a lot of sense. And we can hit that in a second. Um, but yeah, I just I, I just brought up the whole spiel on the storm. You kind of already brought them up, but do you have any additional thoughts or, or contemporary thoughts as far as Seattle standing would be? Yeah, in this well, case? I think uh, if we were looking at just a normal season, I think Seattle would have been a big talking point because um, the the Bird Lloyd Natasha Howard and then return of Brianna Stewart core is championship worthy, uh, and and it would have been really interesting to see that team against a fully stocked. Connecticut Sun or Washington Mystics, who I I thought were going to be again the two best teams in the league, which I know is not a very sexy thing to say, but I I thought they were going to be very good this year, and I um, I still think the Storm pose a significant threat to uh, to the title, but mm-hmm. you and I are both holding our breath uh, for Jewel Lloyd, for Sue Bird, uh, yeah. for Stewie, who might Stewie knows she's got a long successful career ahead of her, and if she feels like 
you know, her body was ready to go in the spring, but she could do with a, you know, that extra time off and then maybe play overseas to get ready for, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of decisions to be made about her future. Um, and, you know, the last thing you want is to spend a year rehabbing a, a rough injury like an Achilles tear just to go out and get, you know, <laughs> get sick. I, I know fit people don't generally have to go to the hospital for COVID-19, but you don't want to run the risk of, you know, going and being intubated and being back in the hospital. And maybe that's just not something she wants to do. So we I don't know what's in their heads, but I know they've got a talented roster on paper. And right now I, I wish... I wish we could tell you listeners that these rosters were finalized, but nothing yeah, is finalized. It's true. And that's and the that's, thing about it is the, the that's so hard to predict. The one Seattle name that I feel confident in saying is, in my opinion, there's high potential you'd see them potentially sit out is Sue Bird. Only that Megan Rapino is sitting at the Challenge Cup and obviously them being connected and living in the same place. I could see a scenario where they, you know, unifyingly decide to do that. That said, very clear that Megan's her own person. Sue is also her own person. She may very well make that individual decision to play, and I I think that that's beneficial as well. So I'm not I don't want to make heavy speculation on who might sit and who might stay, just because obviously it's not our place. Uh, but that's one that definitely stood out in Seattle. Feels like there's a high potential for some of those players, and the level of players we've seen decide to sit up the season, you could expect almost anyone. I mean, it really just comes down to that. Yeah. Um, we yeah we did mention uh, I, I want to make sure that we we go back to one thing that I kind of put a pin in earlier and that's the the Connecticut Sun are close behind the Sparks in terms of teams that really took a hit yes. uh, with players sitting out if if you could take one player off the Sun team to hurt them the most would it not be John Quill Jones to me it is I it's, you can argue yeah. you can argue that Dewana Bonner is also on that list and I would totally feel you there. John Quill Jones was playing at an MVP caliber level last year. If it weren't for Elena Deladon, my vote was John Quill Jones for MVP. Obviously, you know, Deladon ran away with it and, and should have, but um, the level of reliance that they had on her, the consistency of that starting five and, and the player, the players of that starting five they've maintained her being the center full piece of that. I mean, this is definitely a, a tough blow purely talking basketball because obviously her decision is honorable and, and we all support her, but I feel like I'm just going to say that a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do remember. So we did interview Kurt Miller about two months ago on this show. You can go back and listen to that episode. If you missed it, uh, really obviously a, a great guy to talk to. We, we mm-hmm. want to have him back. We want to talk more basketball with Kurt. Absolutely. He's a guy that I would trust to find a way to win. And I know that's cliche because there's only 12 teams in the league and everyone has a coach that you can pretty much yep. say will find a way to win. But I really believe it. I, I know it's a cliche, but there's, I, I think he is equipped to handle a loss like Jones better than almost anyone. There's two to three coaches right now in the league that the general line with them is like, well, you just can't rule them out. Uh, we talked a lot about with the links. You just can't count out Cheryl Miller. And, and her ability to put a roster together. Kurt Miller is on that list as well. I think he, he can always find a way to, to put together a roster that's going to win. Um, by the way, that's another thing as well. We talk so much about players sitting out. A lot of coaches might sit out too, and that may actually play a bigger role than people might understand. We'll see. It's true. This, um, is, a, this is a little bit of a, a jump because it's just a quick anecdote from the NBA side of things. But originally in the NBA's plan, they were concerned about older coaches being in the bubble. Yes. And and there was talk about like what do we do? You know, the players will be safe, they're young and healthy. What do we do about 
you know, the Greg Popoviches of the world that are in like the prime demographic. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's, we, they're trying to, the WNBA is doing a good job. I think of trying to limit the amount of people well, that are going to be on this campus, but you're right. Like the coaches are going to be there. The staff's going to be there. Yeah. Sure. Well, it wouldn't be the weirdest thing of 2020. And this is not a joke. It would not be the strangest thing. If Cheryl Miller donned a Jersey and played player coach for a game because her roster was decimated <laughs> by COVID-19. Nothing out. The rule, nothing <laughs> out. Because that's the other side of it is uh, coaches is, is a discussion that has come up a lot in my mind. One of the, more, the, the main things that came up last season that was of concern, Dan Hughes sat out a lot of the season because he had cancer and, and is still in that, you know, still in that recovery stage. And it, so... You know, I don't know the ramifications in terms of cancer survivors and whatnot and their scenario in these areas. Is that something that's going to feel safe? It's it's hard to tell. Again, we don't want to play heavy speculation on stuff like that, but it is a cause for concern. Um, but yeah, the coach discussion is interesting. And by the way, everyone, if it feels like we're jumping around a ton and we're kind of switching pretty quickly through this, it's, I think it's just because we don't have much choice right now. Uh, just because there's so much to balance and there's so many things changing and we have no idea what's going to be standard. It's hard to do this in any way that just doesn't feel like a panic. And you're, uh, you're all getting the best information we have available to us at the time of recording. And unfortunately that, that probably means that if, uh, if you wait a week to listen to this episode, you, we're probably just gonna have a new episode out and you'll have to listen to that. Yes. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Cause we're going to, you know, I, the next question I wanted to ask you yeah. is one that will basically invite you to curse a team, and I apologize in advance. Oh, gosh. But I wanted to ask, what team is benefiting the most from, I, I guess, other teams having players sit out um, with personal decisions? What is is there a team that was on the outside looking into the playoffs or a team that was a playoff fringe that's now a playoff contender in your mind? because of the roster they are going to put on the floor this year. I this is such a hard one to answer because anything can change, right? The second we say a name, we'll we'll stop recording and their best player will decide to sit out. And so that's a tough thing. I'm going to hold off what I might think is my A answer because I think I know what yours is and I think we agree. So I'm going to go to my second answer, which is a little more far-fetched. If the narrative is outside looking in, if Sabrina is as advertised, the Liberty Ooh. have a chance. I do think Ooh. so. If enough high-level players decide to sit out, if Sabrina is as advertised, Key Nurse is coming off of an All-Star season. We haven't seen the you know what Asia Durr can truly do on the court. They have great uh, leadership in someone like Alicia Clarendon that can work with a lot of those guards. They have some exciting, they have like all of the great Louisville players. They have, you know, like, uh, they, uh, you know, Amanda Zowie B looked phenomenal in times last year. They have the potential to put something together that works. And they have a very young and hungry roster now. Then, and that narrative could actually speak pretty heavy, um, you know, pretty heavy volumes for them. In the event, like, if enough players lose high-caliber... If enough teams lose high-caliber players who decide to sit out, that's the type of team that could find the energy, potentially, if they stick things together. Also because they have that one player who we're all expecting to to come up huge because they carry a lot of clout in Sabrina and Escu, and I'm intrigued to see if they could put it together, and, and it's possible. 
like I said, I'm expecting all of that to to flip on its side when the three <laughs> best players decide they're not playing this season. Well, that, anyway, correct like me said, if I'm wrong, yeah. but but the Liberty are the team that that drafted. They draft like six players. Yeah, right now I'm looking and, at and and kept them. That was the big news story. Is they yeah. they actually kept they wanted them on the roster. I'm looking at right now as far as as rookies that I and I may even miss one because I've gone that uh, Joiner Holmes, Sabrina Nescu, of course, Lana Odom, Kylie Shook, Jocelyn Willoughby. Um, that's almost half of that roster. Yeah. What what that tells me is whatever whatever the Liberty do this year is their floor for the next couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Because, well, I mean, they're half rookies. Yeah. They're only going to grow. They're obviously coming out of the basement, and they have Sabrina to lead the way. Whatever they do this year is basically their new baseline. And well, who's to say where that is? Sometimes, too, the narrative can also be, often in certain sports scenarios, the best thing your team can have is a group of people that just don't know any better. Like, they don't have the his- the baggage of whatever the roster is dealing with before because they're new to things, and they're just going to do their thing. And that might actually help them. And sure. what adds to that fact is they have a new young and hungry coach in with, with Walt. So that could play to their advantage. It'd be interesting to see what happens. But like I said, a lot of pieces obviously would have to happen around them uh, to support that. I just feel like it's an intriguing discussion because they could benefit from that. Now, like I said, to me, that really was more of the B choice. I just think we agree on the A choice. So I'm going to kick that over to you. I do think we agree. I was trying to make you the one to to jinx them instead of me, but I'll I'll take the hit. Um, to me, as of now, it looks like the Chicago Sky have an intact roster of yep. budding. I mean, not even budding, but legitimate bona fide stars. And we we all saw how close they got last year to a deep playoff run and and being in that uh, you know potential finals discussion. Uh, if other teams take a step back this year and the Storm don't quite put it together. Uh, you know, I could, I can yeah. see, I can see the if, Chicago Sky if they keep everyone together. There seems to be an energy around the players on that team, just based on social media, which I know is not a good thing to base things off of. But they all seem amped to be back to basketball, and I think it's because they know last year they had something kind of brewing, and I think they know this could be a really special season. Yeah. I just get that sense, that energy from them. Is that? Do you sense any of that, or am I making this up? We some people are forgetting that the Chicago Sky were an absolutely bonkers Derek Ahambi shot for potentially making a deep playoff run, and that you know that pushes them down. I think there's a lot of elements to it. One, and also you know social media, social media. So you could buy too much into this. This definitely is a team that really looks like they're a well-oiled unit. We're already seeing. You know, photos and posts of Courtney Vandersloot, Ali Quigley, and Diamond Shields already coming together and, and, you know, let's get prep, let's do this. And and you have that energy in Chicago of just like, this is beyond just being a good team. Like, we want to get things done. And you get that narrative out of them. There's definitely a fire that you feel from them. And it really makes it intriguing in terms of, you know, what, you know, what can we see out of that? Obviously, there's high potential. I also think one other thing uh, comes out of this, which is, Obviously, who their focal point star player is is up in the air because they have those three players. It's tough. But um, I expect to see a lot of unique eyes on Allie Quigley because I think she made a really solid impression in the horse tournament and is someone who people even outside of the league might be rooting for. I think if, if she finds a way to make an impact on the team 
and and comes on as a pretty strong scorer, makes some quality shots in those early games. I could see a lot of people giving that energy, and sometimes that that energy can go a long way for the sky. It's yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that the environment of that team and what they feel like they can put together, if they maintain to come together, if they maintain themselves and decide they want to, um, you know, make that unit happen, I, or you know, if if, if that maintains itself and the you know they want to keep everything, I'm not saying any of this correctly. Because we're talking about so many things, my brain isn't functioning. Sorry. <laughs> Basically, if they don't lose any quality, you know, key people between now and when the season starts, if if anyone decides to sit out, I think they do have that high potential. It's sitting there for them. And the last note that I think I can make pretty soundly there: they brought out Azra Stevens, who could potentially be a strong big for them. We'll see how that happens. And outside of those top three draft picks, who obviously were, were the main three discussion points, I think they made the best pick in the draft outside of those top three with Ruthie Hebert. So that's another opportunity for them to shine. So, yeah, there's a lot of energy behind the Chicago sky, and I, I can expect them to, to possibly I, – I can say this with confidence. I think if, if the Sparks stepped out of that, that cadre of the elite-level championship contender teams potentially – it's very possible to say the sky stepped in and and might be that team. It, 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 it We'll have to see what happens transaction-wise, but it's possible. Also, like you said, we, we did jinx them because if anyone knows the show, the, worst, the last thing we should ever do is predict anything. But It's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I do... I see the Chicago Sky as being one of those teams that can step up into that open spot that uh, that the Sparks kind of leave in my yeah. in my playoff predictions that you know teams that can go far. I think the Storm could obviously do it because they they've done it before, but they still have to prove to me that they're back and can do it. Um, the the last little note here is I don't want to go on too long about this because we we need to get onto other topics, mm-hmm. but the Vegas Aces, as currently constituted, are basically where the Chicago Sky are in terms of it's kind of your time. Like you've got mm-hmm. all the pieces you need, so like, are you gonna are you gonna step into that spotlight, or are you gonna, you know, have have troubles in the playoffs? And I I think the Aces pretty much passed that test last year, um, but need yeah. to take another step forward this year and can absolutely do it. The only note being that Kelsey Plum did uh, have left Achilles surgery yeah. in June, and she will not be available. And she definitely was a huge uh, piece of that team. That said, yeah, it's just a bummer. I that sucks. Regardless of what anyone says, I think if if the Mystics are a team that suit up with Elena Deladon and Emma Misaman. I don't see how they can't be a championship favorite. If you want to get away from that narrative, it feels like the Aces right now. Just looking at the roster, and this goes beyond Angel McCautry, quite honestly. There's a lot of moves that they made that I was very impressed with that I think were like, Dan, obviously D-Rob, Daniel Robinson was a huge one for me. They brought back the Swords. Uh, like Swords? Yeah, it, there's so much to that roster that I go, that that seems like a group that gels extremely well together. Kelsey Plum is a very big part of piecing that together, so that's a tough loss. Um, but they definitely have the potential. Again, they're another roster that you look at. Uh, every roster has that handful of players, but there are a lot of people that you go, you know, again, I don't like to call out too many players because I don't want to speculate too heavily, but, you know, Liz Cambage was such a huge voice in Australia uh, during this campaign, we saw the videos of her leading speeches, standing up on, you know, on on stages or whatever, and, and rallying up crowds. And that's definitely something she believes in. So, is that a decision she makes? She may very well. And it, it'll be interesting to see where all of that goes. 
uh, if there's one player that I, I sort of selfishly wish they don't, it's only D-Rob, because I think I sent you the Made for the W post about D-Rob and her practicing, and she's in her sneaks, and it's just like, uh, we need that dope of a look on the court. If we're going to have a season, we need <laughs> we need as uh, many dope looks as we can take. Having, and, having Swords and D-Rob, who are both players that we've met, and I think we can consider, consider friends of the show... Uh, share a locker room with Cambage and Hamby and mm-hmm. McBuckets and obviously Asia Wilson like that. I love that team. You know, I love the Chicago sky. I, I love this aces team. This is if, you know, you mentioned the mystics have the best player in the world, Elena Deladon, that certainly doesn't hurt their chances. But if this aces team can pull off mm-hmm. a championship run this year, it'll be one of my favorite championship rosters in recent memory. That's yeah, just right, a great team right now. I think that those are the two teams that I think you could safely put in that favorite discussion. And then, you know, a lot of different, Different things could change. Like we said, we're not necessarily going to go through every single team. There's a lot of different conjecture. There's a lot of different roster changes that could happen. The only other thing I want to bring up before we get to kind of the last point we both wanted to hit before we call this an episode uh, is, you know, on the Atlanta Dreams, just looking at that roster. Obviously, Renee Montgomery made a very conscious decision uh, to join with what a lot of other players are doing. She really wants to continue to be a voice for the Black Lives Matter movement. She was very outspoken about that. She's done a lot of media about it this week. Obviously, we definitely honor that and support that, and we should continue to be having those discussions. We should continue to be donating and giving, and if you want to get out and demonstrate in areas that are doing it, you should do it. That fight has to continue to happen. The, you know that The need for change hasn't halted at all, so we should continue that. The one thing I want to say to Renee Montgomery is we, we love you and support you and honor you for the effort you are making. We are very sorry Personally, all of us, that one of your co-owners doesn't support you, and it's a real damn shame, and she shouldn't own that team, and she should have nothing to do with the league. And Logan, there's a point I want you to make, if you're willing to make, I think goes above it. Oh, yeah, she should be in prison for like 20 years. Yeah, there you go. Um, like Inside prison, training prison. Orange, orange jumpsuit prison uh, yeah. for, for, for erasing uh, confidence in the stock market for the entire country. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah. There's 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 a lot more that we can hit on on that individual's level, and we've already called off that individual's name. And um, you know, it's obviously frustrating because there's so many incredible and and talented and fantastic women in different levels of power and authority in the world right now who are making great waves. And it really sucks that one of the people that are being talked about the most is someone who is really trying hard to ruin the the moral factor of our very country and so i just want to apologize personally to renee montgomery that your owner is going against everything that you're trying to fight for know that many of us are fighting with you in the background so sorry I, i'm so glad that yeah you had brought something up because i would have started yelling that whole situation just drives me nuts um <laughs> we'll see how that goes anyway we had a chance to dive into a lot of these impacts Next time we record an episode, we're going to have a, like probably a completely different discussion as we see just how an much... hour of revisions. Yeah, just Let's a lot like, of right, We said this a week ago. I want to let that know. Uh, all of, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're talking about how the Dallas Wings are the favorites. Like it's just you know things can happen. <laughs> you're you're going to laugh, but I did kind of want to have a, a Wings. Now isn't the time, but at some point we'll we'll get into the Wings and how they could be interesting this year because there's yeah. a there's a story arc there. There's that, discussions. That I do want to make one note. So uh, one source that if you haven't been checking it out, they actually should. So 
Anila, W Hoops blogger on Twitter, um, have put together a player database. It's fantastic. She's keeping very good track of players that currently are on the rosters, who's made decisions to to sit out the season. She's kept them immediately up to date. When Tolliver and Shane made their um, announcements, it almost immediately was updated on this document. So check out her Twitter. The link is on her feed. You should check that out. My favorite note of all the players sitting out is a lot of these are injury or personal decision. At the bottom of the Dow Swings, it's Amani McGee Stafford out for law school. I just thought that was just a great line. <laughs> that one's pretty good. I also like... Katia Laksa decided to stay overseas. Yeah, like that's a good one. <laughs> I just like, probably it. I would probably make the same decision. Out for that's law school. Smart. I just I feel like our producer, like Jason, can just do that every now and again. Just like I'm out for med school. Like that's becoming me. a doctor. So, yeah, <laughs> that's just our reminder that Amani McGee Stafford rules and uh, is continuing to do awesome things. And it's just it was just a funny line. Um, I want to kick it over to you for really the last topic we wanted to hit for a few minutes before we put a bow on this because I know this was something that. Uh, you had messaged me today about it. And you felt really strongly about. I co-signed that definitely. I think it's something that uh, it just deserves a platform. So I, I want to give you some some rant platform, and then we can chat it out for a few minutes. Cool. Yeah. So over the course of this episode, we've discussed uh, players' choices to sit out, platforms, the the hard decision that it can be for players at the top of their game to to step away for things that are more important and if if you know anything about the WNBA you already know where I'm going with this i think the the world of sports not just our podcast but uh, on a on a grand level needs to talk a lot more about Maya Moore absolutely uh, both both the player who had several hall of fame years ahead of her in the league and now it, it, I, I want to get it exactly right. Um, the, the, the Wikipedia article on my Moore says that she's, she's, uh, on sabbatical. She's, she's not sitting out or, or on a break, or whatever, uh, in, in order to seek, uh, reform in the American justice system and has been for some time. This is not something that has, uh, that has risen out of the last couple months of quarantine and, uh, and frustration over uh, the George Floyd uh, murder and, and other murders that have been brought to kind of the forefront of the nation's attention. Uh, this is something that she actually did long before a lot of people realized why that was such a passion of hers. And I think now, Steve, we can both acknowledge why maybe that was such an important priority in her life, despite being, uh, I mean, I defy you to name an award that Maya Moore has not won in professional basketball. Uh, this this was not someone, and and we'll get to this in a minute, but this is not someone who was forced out of the game or who quit the game because she was on the downward, you know, twilight years of her career and she saw that she needed to, you know, begin a new future or new career. This is someone who did an about face on one of the most promising careers ever in the league uh, in, in order to, to run towards something that was important to her and mm -hmm. seek uh, justice for, for people wrongfully imprisoned uh, because of the color of their skin, which is now a topic that yeah, I, I want this to be clear. Earlier in this episode, when we were saying we want things to go back to normal, we meant we want to see 160 baseball games. We did not mean all of the cultural revolution that's been going on around Black Lives Matter and uh, bringing what real systemic racism means kind of to the, the front of everyone's mind and no longer leaving it on the back burner. Uh, Maya Moore has been championing this uh, for a while and, and, 
and I think deserves every bit of mention and not just praise, but I think uh, an understanding of where she sits as an icon in sports as someone like a Colin Kaepernick, who admittedly left his sport for different reasons because he was forced out, and I realize that's a different situation. But he's, he's kind of been named uh, a figurehead for this movement. And I think Maya Moore, essentially, you know, her career arc is... I don't know who you would compare it to. You you said earlier in pre-record, like like oh six Kobe Bryant. Yeah, he suddenly decided that like, something else is more important to me now. The comparison you have to put to it, like people have to realize the context of this. If if she was playing right now, she'd be rolling into I believe her ninth season. This is like Miami era LeBron. This is oh six Kobe Bryant. This is current Mike Trout. This is undefeated Ronda Rousey saying there's something bigger right now, and just moving on. And I don't think we truly – and by the way, this is a little different because like any any large effort people are making to support these movements obviously is honorable. We're not trying to play a comparison or competitiveness game. I, I hope that doesn't sound like that. But like LeBron James right now is making a lot of strong efforts, and that's great. What he's doing is something he, he should be doing and can be doing is he's using his influence as a great basketball player and a mainstream celebrity – and putting that toward good use. What Maya Moore is doing is a little bit different. It's more than just I'm using my basketball influence to make change. I went and became something completely different. This isn't Maya Moore, the basketball player. This is I'm turning myself into a crim- like a criminal justice reform advocate. And this is who I'm identifying as as I'm doing this. And there's something absolutely astounding about that. And it is intriguing that it, it doesn't get that level of attention. I mean, you look at the people that have made those sacrifices and have had those efforts. Colin Kaepernick definitely is one that comes to mind. We're seeing that right now with Bubba Wallace and NASCAR in a lot of ways. And that's a rant that I'm just not prepared to have. We, <laughs> we love Bubba and I just, all of the backlash toward him. I just, we don't have time to dive into all of those Yahoo idiots, but, um, but love, love, love Bubba and that whole effort. But like, we look at, but people are talking about Bubba Wallace a lot right now. Obviously Colin Kaepernick, and and his effort and and a lot of the the supportive things we can say about him, Maya Moore not only should be generally in that discussion. I mean, we should be heralding her as 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 a main strong hero. And I don't know if that level is indicative to just how the media unlawfully not unlawfully but just the you know unfortunately treats the era of of, of women's sports or anything of that nature. Or if it's simply that Maya Moore's the type of person that's not trying to command attention in any format, um, you know, she's going and and doing the work, and that's what matters to her. I don't know, but I, I don't know what you. I guess the question is, what steps do you take? How do we get to that level? How do we honor and recognize that in a proper way? How do we try to make? my more a part of that discussion if even if that's something that matters to her or to anyone um you know is it naming an award is it i don't know i i'm trying to figure out in my mind like what do you do i i i mean we both understand the the lack of coverage in women's sports and wnba specifically and i i think it's almost a fair ask to say look we get not not that we condone, but we get if you think covering this league extensively isn't something we want to do, people aren't interested, doesn't make us a lot of money. We've heard all those excuses. We understand why they're dumb. But even if we're willing to go that far with you know an organization or a media group or ESPN or whatever, you got to give us 
like you got to cover Maya, Maya Moore. Like what she's doing right now is the story. She should be on 60 minutes or whatever. Every like, like she is spearheading this like, and, and was way ahead of the, the curve here. And I, I'm surprised. I mean, I know she's been on podcasts and, and people kind of know who she is, but th- this is someone who walks the walk in every, everything she does in life. There's, there is no one who can say a word about, you know, kitchen jokes or whatever to Maya Moore. Like literally she has won everything. She has done everything. And she walked away from a career where she could have been the best of all time to go be the best at something else. And I, and I think that deserves the respect of coverage, right? Like yeah. that's, and I, you know, I think I just detailed like some ways that, you know, things that that would actually look like, not just a blanket term, like you should cover it, but like you should have her on air. You should show her face. People should know who she is. Cause if there's anyone who's going to garner the respect of people who don't care for the WNBA and the Bill Simmonses of the world, like put, put Bill Simmons in a room with Maya Moore and, and see, see if any of his words stick after listening to what she has to say, yeah, because she's done it exactly. That's that I I I can't respond to that point because I just co-sign all of it entirely. It's it's one of the situations that I think when our children go to school, um, Colin Kaepernick is going to be in textbooks. And that's the level of the impact he's had. Maya Moore should be right next to him in those textbooks. That's that's exactly how I feel about the level of impact that she's made. And the there's a quiet groundswell of support that she's had. I mean, you look at the we've talked about Natasha Cloud, we've talked about Renee Montgomery. I think Maya kind of kicked off a lot of that inspiration of hey, you can get out and do it. If it matters to you, go go get it done. And I you know, it's one of those things that like I'm consistently intrigued to see where else it goes. And I hope it's something that, you know, it's a story that people need to hear um, because it's something that's coming a long way. Maya, to me, is in one of those situations that it could go beyond the, you know, iconoclasm and criminal justice. I mean, we could be talking about future Senator Maya Moore. That's another point that, that I think I've made before on this show is I don't think she's coming back. Yeah, I this isn't Michael Jordan taking a break to play baseball for for yeah. a year or two and and, you know, deal with some of the stuff going on in his life. This is this is a change. I mean, I, I told you this before. This is not a great analogy, but I once quit a job, which was a very scary thing for me because I'm not very financially secure. Um, <laughs> and, but it was a job I wasn't good at. And I realized it wasn't what I wanted to do. And we both worked at the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was telling you, like, I, I'm I'm going to leave. And it's such a hard decision to make. I can't imagine making that same decision in, in any sort of a, like, if I was the best at what I did in the world. And I said, I'm going to do something else is more important to me. I feel it deep down. I feel it spiritually. I feel like it's my calling. I don't know if I would even expect other people to understand it. But I, I would expect them to respect it if, you know, if I had everything in my hand that I'd ever worked for and I said, the American justice system is broken and I'm someone who can help fix it. I, I would want, you know, do do them the courtesy of, you know, do Maya more the courtesy of at least, you know, putting her name in, in the, uh, 
<laughs> I the show read the card that they read you know mm-hmm. every thousand times you say Colin Kaepernick's name like remember at least once to throw Maya Moore out there too because she is a hero both in sports and out of it and yeah. uh, I I this is this rant has gone on too long and I apologize but no I I, I know you you listeners all get it. Because you're in this WNBA family, you're like Logan. We we totally get it. Like I don't know who you're talking to, but I just had to get that out of the universe. No, I, I totally understand. I think it's one of those cases. If it's it doesn't feel like, it, you know, it's an inch, yeah. I I think we're out of words for it. I, you know, I think this was you were completely on the money with that side of things, and I'm interested to to see where it goes. And and I agree with you. It feels at the moment like we might have seen the last of, of Maya on a basketball court, at least for a good while, because for some reason, I think because we're so conditioned to the idea of people stepping away and coming back pretty quickly that, oh, well, this case is over and they were able to accomplish what they wanted to accomplish. So she's going to be coming back. I think the idea is, well, she's going to find something else because that's where her heart is not making those impacts. And if she feels like it's something that she can really do to better the world around her. You know, why wouldn't you stick with that? So, uh, yeah, it's it's such an interesting ongoing piece to that. And I definitely credit the Minnesota Lynx for never, sh- you know, even hesitating on supporting her and being there for her. Before, by the way, people got to realize, before all of this kicked off, before COVID was much of anything, Maya Moore already made it clear she was sitting out this season. Well before any of this narrative had happened at all. And that... I think that's something that people need to remember. This isn't a convenience. Like, by the way, I'm tacking on to all of these reasons people are sitting out by this is why I'm sitting out. And this is well before that was something that was in the note, because the idea was something we're forgetting about in terms of the missing of sports is that there was a time, believe it or not, it was only three months ago. There was a time where the idea of all this going away felt impossible. I remember the idea of March Madness not being there was impossible. Weeks later, the Olympics got moved. That felt impossible. At the time, while she'd already sat out 2019, the idea of sitting out again just didn't feel right because the idea is, you know, we've seen players sit out a year and then they come back. And and it really does make you wonder. So um, if if we do never see that again, I hope we become just as big of fans of of – Maya Moore making an impact on the world. You know, it's it's going to be an interesting discussion, interesting case. Um, we've covered a lot of ground. Logan, I don't know if there's anything else we feel like we need to cover. It's, I feel like we've covered a, everything and nothing at the same time. That's just kind of how it feels yeah. in the sports spectrum I, right now. But. I apologize. We don't have any hard data even as, as we sort of move towards having a real season. Um, but, you know, I'm excited by images of players socially distancing but practicing – you know, they're in the gym, they're putting work in. I also, uh, I did, there's one thing, I, I don't know if this even belongs on, on, you know, tack this on the end of that rant. Uh, but you mentioned something I think is kind of cool, which is that, you know, the Minnesota Lynx have been the consummate professional organization throughout all of this. You know, they, uh, not every organization does their players right. Some of them do them dirty. And, uh, you can look at, you know, Cam Newton was released by the Carolina Panthers. I know I'm making the jump to football again, but, uh, and then the Panthers had like a, a fan poll like two days later and they're like, who's the best Panther of all time? 
and they didn't list Cam Newton as one of the options. Even who nearly, he took them, who like, nearly their only took Super an Bowl. undefeated Panthers team to a Super Bowl, yeah. Right, and and won the MVP that year. Like, there there are teams in sports that are just heartless and run things like a business, and you're going to see a lot of that in sports over the next couple months. Uh, and it's yeah. it's encouraging every time you see a sign that that one of the teams, especially in the W, which we love so much, yeah, uh, maybe maybe has has some humans behind uh, behind the brand running the show. Yeah, so. and and by the way, that's a good example of because you and I have talked about this, and so people might have heard this this theory you and I have, and maybe like, isn't that an example of it? it, it just keep in mind, sports pettiness, if done well. <laughs> Is is a fantastic thing, and there are some examples. That being one of them, where it's not done well and, and it makes it tough. But you know, when you know, g- g- simple ingredients cooked well. You know, when it's when it's taken care of, well, it's taken care of. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot f- more for us to dig into in the next several weeks as we get closer to the start of the season. Should it happen, uh, because ifs are a big part of our life now. But um, We'll have a lot to discuss as, as rosters solidify as we see schedules. Uh, so we're going to be coming at you more or less week to week, uh, giving previews, getting you hyped up. And then obviously, uh, you know, we'll be excited to dive into the season. You can, of course, check out our sister program, NWSL Nation, over the next month. Uh, Mike and myself will be giving pretty consistent coverage on the Challenge Cup as things materialize in Sandy, Utah for for the tournament and we'll continue to have coverage there so you should definitely check that out we'd be excited to have you and join in of course you can follow those accounts over at follow us WNBA Nation Pod on Twitter and WSL Nation Pod uh, on Twitter respectively uh, find us anywhere your podcast can be found if you're listening anywhere that has a comment or star system or you know anything of that nature of course we'd love to have a five star review and get up in that sports zeitgeist a little more any comment you can give us let us know what you like about the show what we can do to make it a better experience for you or definitely open ears for that and really the last note that i'll make with this is while this is happening uh, we might be taking a break from putting together a second run-up of w history but it is something definitely on our minds so whether we're able to put it out soon or it might be a few months before we roll it out again. We need your help. We want to hear your voices. If you have ideas for a W History series or episode, whether it be about a team, whether it be about a player, whether it be about a specific era or a specific intriguing story, anything uh, involving the WNBA women's basketball, we want to hear the stories that you want to hear because we're excited to do some more research and dig into those. We heard a lot of fantastic response for the Houston Comet series and, you know, we, you know, we love doing it ourselves and would love to put out some more of that. So, um, you know, all of that in note in the line. I'm sure there's a thousand other things that we could plug. Check out the Patreon. Go to Store Envy. Buy some merch. Logan, what am I missing? No, you hit it all. WNBA history is awesome. We want to do more of it. Uh, you know where to find us. Uh, you know how to review us. We are seriously open to suggestions for, uh, for new topics for the history and just the ways that you think we could improve the show. So please give us the shout out, the, those shout outs. And uh, that's it. That's it. We're all Team Bubba here. Yep. At there you the go. WNBA Nation. <laughs> yep. That's uh, that's yeah. I think that's everything that we have. Um, that's it. I should have just. He did. That's it. It was the perfect segue to end the episode, and I should have went with it. But it's one in the morning, and we're all tired. So I apologize with that. That's fine. Give me give me just any phrase that feels like a definitive a lead in for me to to send us out, and then we'll end it there. And Jason will keep all of this in, so it'll be fun. And uh, that's the way it was. Absolutely. That is definitely the way it was, Logan. Thank you. Well, that's everything we have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of WMA Nation. We're excited to give you consistent coverage as we lead into the season and the season itself. But until then, thanks again. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm Logan Jones.
We'll catch you next time. Wear a mask.